1: Hello Giants fans and welcome to your Valentine's news podcast for Friday, March 16th. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all of you uh, Irish folks out there and and folks who will spend the day pretending to be Irish as well. So uh, enjoy the day and uh, and, and, and stay safe out there too, you know, but uh, but but enjoy yourself today. Anyway, Giants fans, lots to talk about. Uh, as the Giants uh, made a bunch of moves on Thursday, moves that that I keep coming back to the word transformative in a lot of ways as far as the roster and, and things like that. but uh, here to help me uh, break it all down. Is uh big blue views Nick Filato, who I, I recruited from the Chris and Nick show for the second time this week. You know, it's like I just need somebody on this show that's got hair, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry to say, but but uh, yeah, you you are not in that category,
0: but I'll say this everyone is Irish on St. Patrick's Day.
1: This, this is true, everyone is Irish on St. Patrick's Day. So, so anyway, let's let's talk giants and as i said over the last couple of days joe shane added darren waller via trade really really awesome trade in my view with the, the las vegas raiders swapping the third round compensatory pick that the giants got for a Kadarius tony to get waller who if healthy is a tremendous addition to the giants receiving group and on thursday signed paris campbell from the indianapolis colts a guy that you profiled for us you know before free agency and i know you were you were high on the idea of bringing in campbell and and i'll be honest i thought that meant that the giants were not going to be able to keep darius slayton and then late you know later in the day on thursday we get news that Yes, indeed, Darius Slayton is going to be back, and and as I said, I keep looking at this, and and I just think that the Giants still don't have a a number one wide receiver per se. Darren Waller is their number one receiver, you know, as long as he's healthy. But but to me, this is transformative, both in the in the type of receivers they've got, and, and probably in the draft board too. I would say so, Ed. I'm
0: souring on the idea that the giants would go wide receiver at pick 25. And even after the Paris Campbell signing, I was like, well, they still could if the value lines up. And I'd like to think that Joe Shane and the New York giants operate in somewhat of a BPA type of fashion. But I believe all signs, at least in terms of the talent that is in this draft relative to who will be around at pick 25 point to the cornerback position or possibly interior defensive line. It's it's interesting to me. I mean, we we talked pre-podcast about certain names that that popped up, like Brian Branch from Alabama or a player like that who could be a safety, could be an apex defender, but the wide receiver position, you know, I I had hopes that Zay Flowers would be somebody that would interest the Giants. But after these additions, I'm I'm a little bit more sour on that. And I am a little surprised that the Giants went out and gave Darius Slayton, I believe it was a two year $12 million deal, if I'm not mistaken, which seems like kind of a lot. For Darius Slayton, after they bring in a guy like Paris Campbell, and let me say this first, those two wide receivers are drastically different. But the fact that they went out and sought Paris Campbell high upside has familiarity with Mike Rowe, and they brought in Darius Slayton, bringing back Darius Slayton, I should say, who's more of a field stretching deep threat. It does lead me to think that wide receiver at 25
1: is a little bit less likely. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the way I look at it, and you As you said, you and I had uh, communicated about this a little bit, you know, before the show. If there's a guy there at 25 who falls, who should have been drafted in the teens and falls, guy that they love, you know, maybe Quentin Johnston of TCU falls and and he's sitting there at 25. Maybe you do that. Um, But, you know, and I was a big. I've been a big proponent of Zay Flowers myself, but I don't know that you take him at twenty-five now with what they've already done. As you said, cornerback, defensive line, maybe offensive line. If there's a guy that they love, although I I'm not sure that there is one. I'm not I'm not thrilled about the idea of Osiris Torrance at twenty-five. Um, maybe even. You know, defensive line. I think you know a guy like Brian Bressy or or uh, or Cancy from Pitt could be a possibility if the Giants like one of those guys. Even off-ball linebacker, somebody to pair with Bobby Okarecki, if uh, if they wanted to do that. And, and yes, you you were right about the pronunciation of Okarecki. So 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 props to you, kudos to you, all that. All right fine. You were right. I was wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I believe it's O'Kara K, though. You're still not saying it correctly, Ed.
1: I'm still not saying it correctly. I have to go back and listen to... You know what? I have to go back and listen to the audio from the Giants today and see how the Giants' PR pronounced it. And and uh, I, But I think you were closer than I was, either way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say this, though, Ed. Listening to Bobby O, we'll call him that, and Darren Waller, those two seem so Eloquent, articulate, thoughtful in their in their first interviews with the New York media. I was impressed by both of those individuals, and I think they slide right into this culture
1: that Joe Shane is trying to cultivate here very well. Absolutely, I think that uh, that you know teams talk about bringing in certain types of people, and those two guys are definitely you know they seem like stand-up guys. They the, as you said, they were eloquent when they spoke. And even, uh, even O'Karake, Bobby O, spoke, spoke about, about Paris Campbell. Campbell. And he talked about leadership and work ethic and, and all of that in terms of Paris Campbell. So, so you can see that not only are the Giants looking for talent, they're looking for certain types of people.
0: Certain types of people. And that seems to be something that we heard a lot from the Joe Judge era. You hear it a lot around the NFL. But I do... J- I genuinely get that sense from this front office that they are looking for those types of people. And we saw it early last year when the Giants went out and drafted Wanda Robinson in the top 50 while having Kadarius Tony on the roster. And I'm not trying to take shots at Kadarius Tony, but we saw his usage early on in the season and he wasn't out there running routes or doing that. Every time he found the football field, Darius tony it was a designed play and then he was off the football field that's how he was playing like seven snaps in a game and then he was shipped out of town shortly after that and when we're speaking on the wide receivers and i feel like this is important because you went out and you got paris campbell you have darren waller who talked a lot about his versatility in his opening press conference you signed you re-signed isaiah Hodgins and darius Slayton. i think one of the most important things about this mike kafka and brian dable led offense and they both made this clear is to have interchangeable pieces and smart players who understand how to run different routes from different positions. And I think that's what the Giants have right now. They don't have that true number one. You're right. They do not. But they have a bunch of guys who will be able to handle a bunch of different responsibilities and they they can be used fluidly and interchangeably within this offense. And I feel like that's very, very
1: important to the success of this offense. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about Paris Campbell specifically. And the thing about Campbell, as you said, he's not Darius Slayton. Is he more Isaiah Hodgins than, you know, than a a burner, than a vertical threat like Slayton?
0: No, I think he can be like Darius Slayton. I I, I do. I think Paris Campbell has better hands than Slayton. I think his usage last year in, in the Colts offense They just tried to get the football into his hands quickly. There were a lot of screens, a lot of drag routes. He was operating a lot out of the slot. I did find it interesting that Mike Groh in 2021 used him a lot more out wide than he did out out in the slot, but I believe he only played like 177 snaps that year and then inevitably ended up getting injured, unfortunately. But I think you can use this player at all three levels of the field. But ideally you just wanna get the football into his hands quickly and allow him to operate. But there were concepts and plays. If you were to go through the Colts film, which I've been doing all morning, where he is open downfield, but Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles, they're not able to get the football to him while, when he is open. He only had three touchdowns last season, Ed, but he pretty, he could have had eight. He could have had nine. He could have had a much bigger year if it wasn't for the quarterback situation and the offensive line situation in Indianapolis. And it's one reason why I like this move. Look, there's risk. The injuries, you're not gonna be able to avoid them. It's similar to Darren Waller, only this is a little bit more extensive, albeit he's only a 25 year old receiver. But this is somebody who tested in the 95th percentile for basically every athletic testing when he was at Ohio State coming out of the combine in 2019. And watching the 2020 film, it's not like that athleticism fell off after all of these injuries. That's one of the reasons why I am excited. I think you can use him around the line of scrimmage ed, but you can also use him vertically. And I think that's one of the reasons why he will be a vertical or a versatile asset if he can just damn stay healthy this
1: year. And you mentioned the the risk, but the reality of it is this is a one-year contract. It's exactly. a one-year, three million dollar contract. It's if if he plays four, five, six games again, he won't be a giant in 2024. And and the Giants won't carry any dead money because it's a one-year deal. If he has a good year, they can re-sign him, bring him back, and and keep him long-term. But the other thing I was thinking about with both Paris Campbell and Darius Slayton, but really especially in regards to Paris Campbell, Joe Shane made reference earlier in the offseason about the salary cap situation that the Giants were in last year. And yes, right now, if you go to over the cap, it looks like the giants are out of money, but we don't know who they've who they've extended, who they've restructured. None of that stuff has come to light yet. But we know that there are moves being made behind the scenes to to clear up some cap space. But one of the things that Joe Shane said was last year he could not go after players in this two and a half million three million dollar price range he was limited entirely to the minimum salaries to the veteran salary benefit guys that that you know bump up their salary just a little bit above the minimum but but that veteran salary benefit doesn't count against the salary cap so this type of player Paris Campbell is a guy that the Giants could not have gone after a year ago and and that just shows a little bit of the difference in where they are.
0: Which I'm grateful for. I mean, they wouldn't have more than likely been able to make that trade for Darren Waller either. And you just need to surround Daniel Jones with these explosive weapons. We don't know if either of those guys will stay healthy. But if they do, the upside is there for a team who made the playoffs last year that no one really expected to. And one more thing on Paris Campbell that I wanted to bring up is just how sure handed he is. Like that guy has very strong hands. If you turn on his film, so many of his catches are him extending away from his frame and using those hands to pluck the football out of the air. You see a lot of wide receivers in the NFL who are body catchers. They just let the football into their frame. There are a lot of receivers in this draft coming out, who could be first round picks, who I'm like, dude, this guy's a body catcher. He never really makes any catches out in front of his face. Paris Campbell was always making catches out in front of his face. And I also feel like I kind of alluded to this before. He's a very smart route runner. There were a couple plays. There was a third and 10 play against the Texans that really comes to my mind where he picked up 12 yards by running this little route from the number three position in a three by one set where he was isolated against a linebacker in zone coverage, but he absolutely manipulated Christian Kirksey, the linebacker by stemming inside than working around the backside of Christian Kirksey. And the landmark that Paris Campbell was trying to achieve the whole time was on the hash to the outside. So basically he influences Kirksey inside initially with the initial stem off the line of scrimmage, and then he works around him. So that's going to get works around him into his blind spot. So that's going to get Christian Kirksey to influence inside even more. But Matt Ryan knew exactly where he was going to be. You could see Matt Ryan just eyeing the hash the entire time. And then Campbell has that type of lateral agility and explosiveness just to work into that blind spot on the backside and then just go right outside. He was right on the hash, right where he needed to be. Ryan threw him the football before he got hit, 12 yard gain on, on third and 10. like Little routes like that, I'm sure popped up on film for Mike Kafka and Brian Dable because You want smart route runners. They made that so clear, and that's what Paris Campbell is, and that's what he'll provide if he is healthy.
1: And speaking of health, let's talk a little bit about Darren Waller. I think that when we talk about a transformative player, a guy who really, really changes the nature of the Giants passing attack, that could be Darren Waller if he can stay on the field. Yes, he'll be 31, and it's been 2 years now since he's had a 1000-yard season but you more than likely the ability is still there if he can stay on the field to uh, to utilize it and again this is a for the giants it's a it's a one year no risk deal and you just have to love the way that Joe Shane is not committing long-term resources to to players that come back and bite you after a while this is it it's a no risk no risk deal for the giants i think to bring waller in and and he could change i don't want to say change everything but he could change a lot about their passing attack
0: what was the giants biggest vulnerability on offense last year it was their inability to create explosive plays They ranked dead last in creating explosive plays. They were dead, dead last in creating explosive plays from passing the football, which is really surprising because they were some dreadful offenses last year. So Joe Shane circled that and he said, we need to find explosive playmakers, but the draft doesn't necessarily have an explosive number one wide receiver who might be there at pick 25, the free agent market. You're giving 11 mil, $12 million to guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Jacoby Myers. I like Jacoby Myers, but I don't think that would have fixed the New York Giants issues. Darren Waller as a tight end, who you can align on the backside of a three-by-one set as the ex-wide receiver, who you can align as a big slot, who you can align anywhere, who's a good route runner, a former wide receiver at Georgia Tech, has all of the N- the nimbleness, the the body control, the ability to adjust to the football when it's in the air, the concentration, the tracking, all of those abilities down the football field that he displayed in 2022, mind you. Yes, he was injured, but when he came back and he played like the Steelers and he played, I think it was maybe the Patriots, he was making catches down the football field where it was wildly impressive. And it looked like 2019 Darren Waller. And mind you, Ed, and I brought this up on other on other platforms and with Chris as well. This is somebody who does not have a lot of wear and tear on his body because he played at Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson's offense, which did not throw the football all that often. And early in his career, he struggled with addiction issues, was in rehab and did not play a lot of football up until about 2019. So yes, he'll be 31 years old, but he still could have some some more gas left in the tank. Again, if he could stay healthy, I, I think he can foundationally change what the Giants want to do out of 12 personnel with their play action passing attack, which was a huge part of the offense for a large chunk of the season until it kind of dried up and staled out. That play action passing attack with Darren Waller is insanely explosive. And think about the play designs that Brian Dable and Mike Kafka had for Daniel Bellinger this year in the red zone. Daniel Bellinger was one of the focal points in the red zone. Now you incorporate Darren Waller into that role and you still have uh, Daniel Bellinger. I think the the opportunities are endless for what they can do if this guy can stay on the field absolutely.
1: And I have no doubt in my mind that Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka, with you know with Paris Campbell, with Darren Waller, with Daniel Bellinger. I have no doubt that they are creative enough to find ways to. They, they re- the Giants relied so much on eleven personnel at the end of last season, and you know, a Bellinger Waller combination sort of changes that at least at times if you're not using Waller as a as a wide receiver. But I have no doubt that they're creative enough to figure that out.
0: Yeah, same here. I think they'll definitely figure it out. And if you look at last season, last season it was pretty insane how many injuries the New York Giants dealt with like Joe Shane and Brian Dable to take over this team you trade Kadarius Tony early in the year because he was not a fit Wandell Robinson ends up getting injured against Detroit after the bye week you lose Sterling Shepard early on in the season Colin Johnson who looks like he could be a huge part of your offense goes down in training camp it's just everyone was dropping like flies there was no rapport nor was there any wide receivers that seemed to get super comfortable in that offense until after the bye week, until really Isaiah Hodgins started getting ingratiated into that offense, along with Darius Slayton. Also did not want to slight Darius Slayton because he did a good job last season. But now you have this big chunk of wide receivers and tight ends and explosive playmakers going into this going into this year. Some of them are going to have two years in Mike Kafka's system, in Brian Dable's system. And I feel like that could do wonders for the 11 personnel package because we didn't see that 11 personnel package really take off until Isaiah Hodgins was ingratiated in the offense, right? So now that you have these guys in the system, learning the system throughout training camp and everything, I I think we could start seeing a more potent passing attack out of 11 personnel early on. And it doesn't have to be something that we just cropped up near the end of the year. Because there were so many iterations, Ed, of the offense last year. Of what mike kafka was able to do it really speaks to the coaching it speaks to daniel jones ability to adjust it speaks to the offense the offensive line speaks to a lot of things but i think now we can hopefully rely a little bit more upon being creative of course but 11 personnel and actually passing the football and creating explosive plays
1: We have to talk some about Darius Slayton, and and I will admit, when the season ended, I did not think Darius Slayton was going to be back as a Giant. When I talked to uh, Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post, I talked to him Sunday night for a Monday morning podcast that we did, and neither one of us thought that Darius Slayton would be back with the Giants in 2023. Just figured that the way that the Giants had looked at him a year ago, they made him take a pay cut. He was the last guy on the totem pole on the wide receiver depth chart. He didn't have a target the first three weeks. It felt like and it looked like there were other teams around the league that were going to value him more than the Giants would. So I just I just didn't see this coming. Especially. Especially after Paris Campbell signed, but I'm glad to see it because as we talked about, he's a guy, he drops too many balls. He may not be the best route runner in the world. He may not have, you know, the, he, he may not excel at the entire route tree, but he can make big plays. And to his credit, Darius Slayton never complained a year ago. Darius Slayton just worked. And in all of the times that I was in the Giants locker room, even when he wasn't playing, when it looked like he was going to be cut, when it looked like he was never going to get on the field, Darius Slayton answered questions from the media. He stood in front of his locker. He came out for interviews in training camp whenever he was asked to. He was... He was as pleasant as could be, and his play and his work, he earned this. So I'm glad to see the Giants reward him, and I think above and beyond what it does on the field, I think it sends a great message to the locker room that that his work got rewarded.
0: You're absolutely right. He was wildly humble throughout training camp, and we were all writing him off. I remember covering training camp and he was running with like the third team, which is,
1: yes, he was with Mm -hmm. a new
0: coaching staff. That's like a dead giveaway that you're getting cut. Mm -hmm. And he he was able to battle back. And I don't think he had a catch until the Chicago game, but then he became the focal point of the passing offense for a while. And I reviewed all the explosive plays from the giants, maybe about a month ago. And I knew Darius Slayton was the was the um reason the impetus for a lot of those explosive plays. But after like seeing him, I'm like, wow, like Darius Slayton really was a huge part with the giants were able, was able to do last year. So I think retaining him, like you said, I think that's a great sign for the locker room. I think six million a year is a little bit much. I haven't seen the, the, um, the, uh, the, the fine details of the contract. So I guess I'll reserve a little bit of judgment on that. But this is still a 26-year-old explosive weapon. He offers something different than a lot of these other wide receivers possess on this team. And I want to say something about Shane and Dable. You want to talk about a front office and a coaching staff that is not rigid, that is, operates with humility. Because they, like by all intents and purposes, they wrote off Daniel Jones. He said as much. I would have picked up his fifth-year option if I thought we'd be in the situation. They wrote off Darius Slayton. And then basically because of a bunch of injuries, Darius Slayton had an opportunity and Slayton seized that opportunity and they rewarded him. So they admitted, hey, I might've been off with this and this guy actually sees the moment. So now I'm going to reward them. And I think that really says a lot about the character of this front office and coaching staff.
1: Absolutely, you see it too often. And we've been through so many coaching changes with the Giants in recent years. I think we've seen a lot of players over the years Get cast aside simply because they weren't, because that coaching staff or that general manager didn't bring that guy in. Uh, Kareem Martin a few years ago replaced Devon Kennard. The Giants lost Romeo Aquara because Pat Shermer wanted Connor Barwin. Um, Joe Judge brought in Nate Ebner and sent michael thomas packing and michael thomas is still a good special teams player in the nfl so we we just see that so often that you're absolutely right that it just shows so much as you said humility and just ability to to really not look at it with a preconceived notion and just and just sort of stay in their corner and say well this was my thought and we're just going to go that way and 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 i think that's a really good sign for the long-term future of uh, of the giants franchise
0: and if you look at these wide receivers that the giants have right now you have two guys who run four three in slayton and paris campbell and then you have your underneath slot type of option in Wondell Robinson when he's healthy. You have your two big-bodied wide receivers in Isaiah Hodgins and Colin Johnson. And the oldest one of that group is Darius Slayton at 26. And then you have Sterling Shepard, who I believe is 30 years old right now. And if the Giants can get anything from Sterling Shepard, that's a home run. That's awesome. Look, I've been rooting for Sterling Shepard since the Giants draft, even since his Oklahoma days, really. I love the guy. It's just So unfortunate that he can't stay healthy, but it's a young group of wide receivers who can do a diverse amount of things for you. It's just, there isn't that true number one. And that's true. There isn't that true number one. And we'll see maybe in the coming days if the giants go out and attempt to acquire
1: one. I'm not sure. And yet the thing about the true number one is if he's on the field, if he's the player that he's been in the past, Darren Waller is your number one. And we've seen who's the number one in San Francisco. It's George Kittle. I was. Debo number-
0: Samuel has has a little bit of an argument there,
1: but Travis Kelsey. He's tr- who's the down. number. One, and I was going to say who's the number one in Kansas City. It's Travis Kelsey. Who was the number one receiver for Tom Brady all of those years while the New England Patriots were a dynasty? It was Rob Gronkowski. No, 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 no. Well, you know. Chris Hogan's a nice story, but, uh, but it was, but it was Gronkowski. So, so it, your number one doesn't have to be the wide receiver. As long as your wide receivers are, are competent and can make plays and can, you know, and can do the things that they're asked to do.
0: And you also have to factor in the running back. Saquon Barkley, who will be used as a receiver and who's also an explosive weapon in his own right, who will strike fear into the hearts of defensive coordinators. So the combination of Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley with a, I would say a nice compliment to wide receiver, that's not a terrible receiving core. It's just not that true number one. And when you look at the Bengals receiving core, for instance, with Jamar Chase and T Higgins, it looks bad, but I feel like all of these players can serve a purpose and a role within Kafka's offense. And a lot of them proved it down the stretch of last year.
1: Absolutely. I did want to say one more thing about the signing of Darius Slayton. I talked about Joe Shane being able to go out and spend that $3 million on Paris Campbell. A year ago, again, we're talking about the salary cap. There was reporting on Thursday that the Giants had competition for Darius Slayton. Might have come from Atlanta. I'm not sure where it came from exactly, but a year ago, and I don't know how the Giants are moving money around. You know, I don't know who they're restructuring and all of that. But a year ago, if the Giants had competition for a player, there was no way they were going to be able to, to go out and compete in the market and win that player. It just wasn't going to happen. So to me, again, it's the fact that it does – I mean, two years – The 12 million, 16 and a half million possible with incentives, it does seem like a little bit rich for Slayton, but if they felt like they could compete, you know, at that level to get him again, I think it's kudos to the front office for, for cleaning up enough and getting themselves in a position where they could do that.
0: And I think that's fair. Too and I mean Joe Shane inherited an absolute mess when he came in and somehow the Giants were still able to have as much success in year one a year that a lot of people thought was just going to be a punt type of season. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. And it seems like a lot of the contracts that they're allocating not, they're not crippling the giants in the future. Like a lot of these contracts are constructed in a manner to where if it does not work out, even as early as year one, the giants can find a way out of it. And it's not going to cost them seasons in advance. Like the previous general manager kind of did with some of the contracts he gave out.
1: Yeah. Even the last thing I'll say is even the Daniel Jones deal is, is a deal that if, if it goes sideways, the giants can get out of that deal after 2 years so even that deal as as much as people still think oh that's a lot of money for daniel jones that's just the going rate for what for what good starting quarterbacks in the nfl make now but again as you said it's a deal that doesn't cripple them long term because they can get out of it in 2 years if they if they felt like they had to
0: If I'm not mistaken, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the dead cap after two years is like 18 mil, which is not bad for a quarterback. And at the, no, it's not because like Kenny Galladay, the dead cap on that, I think is like 15, 14 or 15 right now. So just, you know, to look at it in that manner, I mean, there, there have been teams that got out of contracts where they ate like 30 million in dead cap. Right. Also something Bobby O'Carake said, one reason why he wanted to come to New York, he said he loved New York city. He's always loved New York city, but he sees what. Is being cultivated here he sees what's being built like the giants are starting to become that franchise where free agents are like hey man you see what brian dable doing over there you see what josh i want to join those guys and yeah. i think that's one reason why bobby okara came in that and i'm sure the 10 million a year also helped out let's not kid ourselves but we are becoming or the giants are becoming a team where players talented players want to come and play for them that was that hasn't been the case since i've covered this team honestly
1: right it feels like you know it it has to look to you know to to free agents out there like Brian Dable has a good thing started here. You know, players aren't they're not stupid. They know um you know, they know when they're walking into a bad situation and they know that, you know, that uh well this this is the opportunity or this is the only choice that I have right now, but given given an opportunity to to choose, you know, it is you're definitely right that That the giants are are becoming a little bit of a destination and and that's it's been a long long time since they've been that
0: i'm ecstatic about it ed
1: ecstatic all right hey nick thank you very very much for for hopping on again we're we're getting some extra work out of you this week hey i'm all about (laughs) it man i love talking new york giants you know that all right giants fans thank you as always for listening Please uh, take care of each other. Stay safe out there, especially on St. Patrick's Day. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.